So we are part two in a new series we're doing. If you are new, then we've just jumped into a series in the book of Haggai, who is a prophet speaking to God's people in terms of, as you just just heard of Katie Mack's brilliant narration there of, it's time to rebuild, it's time to build again, build the city of God, build the temple of God. And we're still part of that great adventure. Just looking at Olivia and Will right now, just thinking, you being baptized in there is like you've not only been baptized into God, into Jesus, but you've been baptized into his new temple, the people of God on the earth. And that goes for everyone else that was baptized as well, okay? So, hey, what about me? You know, this is all of us. We're part of something glorious. So I want to jump straight in. We're going to look at Haggai chapter 1. I'm not going to read, there's 15 verses that I'm going to pull stuff from, but I'm not going to read 15 verses. We're just going to kind of go bit by bit, if you like. But I want to just very quickly contrast the temple imagery in the old covenant before Jesus and the temple now, the temple from Jesus' resurrection, if you like. In the old covenant, they were called, the people of this day, the people of God, Haggai was speaking to them to say, come on, it's time to rebuild. You've neglected the task at hand. Come and rebuild the city and most importantly, the temple. The temple was of most importance to God's people. I know we don't quite know what that looks like today, um, but it was where splendor and glory and wealth, there's, there's kind of all sorts of material things that would never do God justice, but would somehow go, we want to pour all the best of our stuff into this because it's nothing compared to this glorious God. But the temple was a place where God's glory and his presence lived. You know, in an ark, in the center of this temple, God's presence, the, the one who made everything lived in this ark in the temple and only certain people could go in you and I couldn't go in I sure as eggs could not go in there's no way not holy enough one priest one high priest once a year could enter the temple and he'd stand as a mediator between God and man and somehow we'd come to this priest and he would he would communicate on behalf of God to the people and the people to God and only Few people could go in, very, very limited access. But I want you to know that it was the touch point. It was like the connection point of heaven and earth. It was that sweet spot where God met man. And they were called to build this beautiful thing called the temple. New covenant, New Testament. Jesus was killed for our sins. And, uh, you know, I want to fight against any religiosity this morning. Because he didn't die for good people, he died for humanity. Like humanity, he rescued me when I was lost in all sorts of addiction. He rescued me. And you look through the Bible, he rescues life after life after life, all because of his sacrifice on the cross. And through that, through his sacrifice, his burial, his death, his, his, his resurrection, his ascension, he's going back to the place where he came from. His promise of sending the Holy Spirit that we've been singing about. Now we're a people of the Spirit. I mean the pure kind of Spirit. We're a people of God, the Holy Spirit. And whereas before, the temple was made of bricks and mortar and straw and wood and brick and stone and gold and bronze... The Bible says now the temple is made of you and me. 
We're called living stones. It's just ridiculous. Ephesians 2.22 says, In him, in Jesus, you too are being built together to become the place where God lives. So being baptized today wasn't the time that you suddenly joined that new temple. It was just to show you already belonged to him. And you guys, living stones, being built together. I loved you guys lined up here. All looked very different, but you're all wonderful stones. Incredible stones. Because God's presence lives in you. See, that's the difference. God once dwelt in a place, he now lives in a people. An old pastor of mine once said, the church isn't a building you go to, it's a people you belong to. So precious. It's a people you belong to. I didn't really know my earthly family too well on one side, and I've always longed just to belong somewhere. The moment I said yes to Jesus, the moment that he radically transformed my life, I was suddenly joined together with a whole load of new living stones that suddenly were like, we're your brothers and sisters. You might not want to belong to me, but I belong to you and you to me. This is precious. So when we're looking at the temple, we've got to understand what they were building is different than what we're building, but it's still God's purposes on the earth. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 2.5, you yourselves are like living stones being built together to become a spiritual house. So I want you to just know that wherever you come from, whatever your walk of life, whatever your background, race, culture, young, old, rich, poor, black, white, male, female, educated, uneducated, in the sight of God we stand equal. And he brings us together like bricks in his new house. And where once people went to the temple to speak to this high priest, now this temple goes to people. we meant to take this temple to the people. God moves through us to bless lives. You know, baptizing these guys today is another sign of God transforming lives. Transforming lives. Love baptism services because we hear stories. Story after story of Nathaniel, just brilliant. <laughs> Why are you getting baptized? Because I think I should. You know, just this sense of, no, just hand on heart. I know God's called me to do this. But he's building. He's building. So you want to know what God's doing on the earth? If you want to know what God looks like, I just want you to look at the person next to you right now. That's what God's doing. He's looking at that person next to you and he's saying, I so love that person and I want to transform their lives and I want to come and live on the inside of them and I want them to go and share my goodness and love everywhere they go. That's what God's doing on the earth. For so long, I mocked the church before I was a Christian because of a lady called Doc Cotton from EastEnders. If any of you have ever seen that, as you can tell, I'm from down south. Because she made it all religious-like. I didn't know it looked like this. But this is what God's doing on the earth. He's redeeming people. He's setting people free from addictions. He's binding up the brokenhearted. He's healing people. That's what he's doing on the earth. And he's bringing together one family, this new temple where he lives individually, and then together we come together as this spiritual home. So, I want to ask you something. Actually, before I do that, I want to be clear on something first. Jesus builds the church. So what they were doing in, Haggai, in Haggai's day, 
compared to what they're doing now, they built the temple. Now Jesus builds his church. And this is the unique partnership that goes on. He builds as we love. As I commit my life to love the person in front of me, he sometimes, he somehow builds his church. I don't build. The responsibility is not on me. It's not on you. I can't save anyone. He does. He's the site foreman. He's the one that says where the bricks go. I want these bricks all together here, and I want these bricks all together here. We don't do that. We just get to co-labor, the Bible says. We get to partner with him. You know, sometimes I look in the mirror and think, man, God's incredible that he'd choose someone like you, pal, to co-labor with him. But he does. He does. So I want to ask you, how passionate are you about the church, this new temple that I've described to you? Do you love her? Jesus calls the church his bride, his body. We're all so needed in this temple. But I want to ask you, what about you? Do you know, it's not about meetings. This has been great. Sorry, Sam, this has been wonderful, right? You've changed your shirt, man. Can you just stand up for a minute? Yeah, I'm going to embarrass you. Yep, there we go. That's for wearing the Newcastle shirt. (laughs) What was I saying? We're not not about meetings. That's not our priority. It's people. It's people. We come together like this because it's incredible, but we go from here and we spend the 99.9% of our time being the people, in city group, in connection, in home group, however we do this, life on life together. So let's jump into this story. This, that's what we're building, this new temple on the earth where it's a connection between heaven and earth and God's moving through this new temple. Firstly... In this story, the people started well. We, we read this in Ezra, a book called Ezra, that picks, picks up the same story about this rebuild. Ezra 4.4, just to say they, the, the people faced some very real opposition. So I want to look at what we can draw from this story in Haggai because I want us to see what's the principles that we live by today. Firstly, they started well, but they, they kind of slipped off track Started really well, but slipped off track. So Ezra 4.4 says, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah, and they made them afraid. Boo. We can turn this like a pantomime. They made them afraid to build. Boo. Another translation says, some of you wanted to join in. Another translation said, they troubled them as they built. So there was this opposition to God's people. Verse 5 in Ezra 4 says, And they bribed all the counsellors against them to frustrate their purposes. So there we have it. This is why they started well and fell away, because they were discouraged. It says they were discouraged, they were uh, in trouble, they were fearful, and they were frustrated. This is true of us today, isn't it? Or is it just me? can be very true. Man, how, how often do you feel discouraged? Quite a bit. How often do you feel fearful? Yeah, quite a bit. How often do we feel knocked off track because of opposition? We do. We can start strong. We can hear an incredible call of God over our lives. Remember the call of God over my life. I've, I've called you, and not the audible voice, but there's nothing that I love more than communicating the love of Jesus to someone and seeing them accept him for the first time. 
I know that's what God's called me to be and do in some way. So you can hear the call of God. What about you? You can hear the call of God on your life. You can hear an incredible, inspiring vision talk and say, come on, let's do this. Let's take the city. Let's, let's love people for, for Jesus. But then life sets in and twists and turns and discouragements and fear. And then we think, oh man, I don't want to do that anymore. Our priorities shift. We either think, forget that for a game of soldiers. That's too hard. I, don't, I can't do that. I'm so disappointed. I'm actually living in disappointment. And I'm sure that will be a reality for some here. It's either that or that looks far more attractive. That was true for these people. They'd forgotten to build the house of God and instead they went to build their own homes. Because it was easier. They were distracted. They were, they were thinking of themselves. Guys, the reality is there's an enemy that wants to frustrate God's purposes and plans. I want this to be a happy day, so it's not... Maybe Let's look at him like the pantomime villain, okay? But there is an enemy that wants to frustrate his purposes. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life and life in all its fullness or all of abundance. So there's a complete contrast here. There's, there's one that comes to frustrate, to lay on disappointment, to put on discouragement like a garment, to say, no, come on, put this fear on. Come on, it's too hard. Life's too tough. Yeah, you did lose that person. God can't be good. But then there's another that comes to say, listen, I'll give you life and life in all its fullness. That's what's offered to you this morning, friends. Life in all its fullness. doesn't mean that life will go swimmingly. It means that God will be with you in and through everything. Life in all its fullness. Some examples, you know, there's Peter, this great Peter, this warrior after God, after Jesus. I'll never leave you. If everyone else leaves you, I'll never leave you. Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. And he did. You know, once when Jesus was, you know... When people arrested Jesus, the, the, this girl, a little girl, said, aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? And no, that wasn't me. 1 Peter 1.19, it says that this guy Paul is writing to a guy called Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Remember the time you were baptized. He didn't say that, but this is the deal. Remember these times when, when God changed you. Remember the call of God on your life. Don't neglect it, Timothy, because some have. And in doing so, they've shipwrecked their faith. I've been true in my life. I've known people that have completely shipwrecked everything because something else has looked more attractive. I want to build my own house. I want to build my own house. Building God's house is far too difficult. Being part of church is just far too difficult. Have you seen how odd everyone is? Come on, let's be real. This is the deal, right? Sometimes people that don't know Jesus are much more normal than the people that do. And we're stuck with each other. But somehow we, God's calling us back to say, come on, rebuild. Let's get our priorities straight. So I want to ask you, friends, is, is God right at the center of everything you're doing? Like in your heart, not religion, but faith. Is God right at the center? For you guys earlier getting baptized when you stood about here, that took a lot for each of you to say, as for me, I'm going to follow Jesus.
And I really honour that. Really do. We do. Together. For me, I know my own life, when, when I get easily distracted, anything else looks more attractive. It could be anything. It could be anything. So from this, his purposes got neglected. You know, when God isn't front and centre, Haggai was sent to speak into them. God, in his mercy and love, didn't just go, hmm, I'll start again, I'll send another flood. Know that story? He's promised never to do that again because he so loves us. Instead, he sent a guy called Haggai to say, I want you to call these people back. And it says in Haggai 1, 3 and 4, then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. So it's God speaking through him. And he says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your own houses while mine lays in ruin? See, Haggai was challenging these people to come back, to think again, think differently, to come back to their original design and purpose. Do you know, we've been made in the image and likeness of God, our maker, and we all get to shine him in a different way. And I just want to be like a Haggai this morning. Maybe that's just for one of you. Come back. It's time to rebuild again. Are you really going to focus on your own home while the, the Lord's house in your heart lays in ruin? Come home. Because there's so much freedom in the house you're designed for. They were blinded to this incredible honor. Think of us, guys. We can be blinded. We get to be part of what God's doing on the earth. You know, part of God, the one who made everything, the stars, the moon, the sun, the seas, the land. We get to be part of his purposes and plans on the earth. That's what we're building. That's what we're building. And the beautiful thing is God is building with human lives and he's transforming lives. And we each get to play our part. And we get to carry something called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Jesus says it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you know what makes up the kingdom? Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So wherever people encounter us, they should be encountering righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace and joy. That's what I first encountered. When I walked into a church similar to this, I thought, man, what are you guys on? Because I, I want that. I want whatever you've got. Because no amount of drugs and alcohol and addiction is, is, is satisfying me. I want whatever you've got, and it's the pure living water of God. And we get to carry that as mobile temples wherever we go. That's how we're building. It's, it's invisible to the naked eye. But wherever we go... We carry his presence, his goodness, his love, his mercy, his justice, forgiveness. You hear some incredible stories how people are able to forgive in the most horrendous circumstances. How we're able to offer love to people that society have rejected. You've heard the stories of us going into one of the prisons here. People that society have just gone, no, you're beyond lost. We get to do a service with the most vulnerable prisoners that are on kind of suicide watch and um, the sex offenders register etc and we get to carry the love and forgiveness of Jesus there that's what he's building on the earth and he's building a family that from a family they go hey come on let's go and get more brothers and sisters 
Do you want to be part of that? Because I do. Because I do. And we're each like a jigsaw piece that's been slotted together. Think of it, my wife here. She loves jigsaws and is incredible at them. I'm honestly like a, not knocking four-year-olds, I'm like a four-year-old when it comes to a jigsaw. I'm literally like anything bigger than a 12-piecer, I'm gone. I cannot do that. I'll phone my mum, actually. Come around and help. But M, she'll do this like 17,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? When she's done them, after all the hours she's wasted <laughs> doing this jigsaw, all it needs is for one of those pieces to be missing and the whole picture is ruined. Sometimes I hide the pieces. <laughs> one piece missing and the, the church is incomplete. I want you to know, friends, I believe with all my heart some of you are meant to be here this morning to hear this. You've given up on life. You've given up on God. You don't know where you fit. You're a beautiful jigsaw piece in the kingdom. And without you, <clears throat> the whole picture is incomplete. But with you, God reveals it to the world and says, look at what I do. Look at what I do. This is why people get in hot tubs. This is what I do on the earth. Without you, it's incomplete. And we've all got individual purposes and plans. Some are called just to extend mercy. Others are called to lead. Others are called to give generosity. Others are called to encourage. We're called to build. We're like expert craftsmen for the kingdom. And our main tools, righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what we carry. I want to say, friends, you're all needed. Like you're, We're all needed. There's nothing more important than you, than I, and I and you. We're all needed. Ephesians 3.10. This is incredible. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. This is ridiculous. So that through the church, that's me and you, God's glory is sin. God in his infinite wisdom, he's the wisest of wise. Okay, All wisdom flows from him. So God goes, how do I want the world to see what wisdom looks like? You lot, us guys, we somehow reveal the wisdom of God to the world. It says in the Bible that principalities and powers of the spiritual realm, they look in and they go, oh no, look at what he's doing. We've lost. We've lost. The battle has been won. And one day this glorious church will march across the whole world. It won't be violent. The Bible says the kingdom is forcefully advancing But how does it forcefully advance? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Of his government and peace, there will be no end. Friends, if you don't know why you're here this morning, you've entered a place full of peace, hopefully. 
And this peace will cover and fill and spread across the whole earth. And God's wisdom is seen when he holds his tapestry, the church, the big jigsaw puzzle with all of these million pieces coming together. Sarah, Justin, Dave, Joe, all stuck together. He goes, look at my wisdom. Look at my wisdom on the earth. So I want to ask you a question. What is God's call on your life? What has he called you into? Maybe you have no idea. What do you you love doing? What are you passionate about? What makes you come alive? What has someone else said over your life? Because Haggai came to remind them, come on, it's time to build. It's time to rebuild God's glorious house. And I'll ask you, are you aware of your shape? I don't mean like me, the 14-stone lump that's looking at you right now. I mean, are you aware of your shape? Like the unique call that God has on your life? I love it when I see people, yes, I am. Bless you. Because that's what we need. Godly confidence to say, this is who I am. And I love it. And are you slotted into the body? Are you slotted into that very bride that Jesus died for? My friend Brian, a really good friend of mine, I'm, I'm so judgmental at times. I know that baffles belief. But externally, I can smile at you. Internally, mm, that's weird. Sorry to just hold eye contact with one person there, sorry. <laughs> What's weird about me? Leave me alone. But I can judge people. My friend Brian stopped me in my tracks. He, he just gently said, do you know what, Sam? I've asked Jesus to say, to speak to me and say, Jesus, I want to see your bride as you see her. The one he died for. When we begin to see the glorious church on the earth as the one he was pinned to the cross for, we'll give some, some people some slack. We'll say, hey, come, brother, sister, you've got family here. Okay, this is the turning point in the story. Haggai 1, 5 and 9. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, I think it will come up behind me, thus says the Lord of hosts. He uses these three words, consider your ways. This is the turning point. Consider your ways. You've sown much, harvested little. You've eaten loads, but you've not had enough. You've drunk a lot, but you've not had your fill. Your clothes, they've got holes in them, I'm paraphrasing, but they're not warm. They're not warming you up. And you're earning your wages. You're putting money in bags with holes in them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills again and bring down wood and build the house that I might take pleasure in it and that I might be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in ruin while each of you busies himself doing his own house. See, God sent this brilliant guy, Haggai, to reawaken, to reawaken their hearts, their spirits, their dreams, their desires, to reawaken them to the purposes that they were actually destined and designed to do, to build. Like I said, God didn't strike them. He sent a man to say, come on, consider your ways. Give careful thought. Think about what you're doing. Sorry to embarrass my son. I've done it now. Um, but sometimes with my... Sorry, bro. 
Tom, I love you. Sometimes with my kids as a father, I, I, some, I leave them. I don't try to instantly correct them. I sit with them and say, have a think about that. How's that working out for you? And I think some of this is like this. Haggai is this God saying, I want you to consider, is this working? You're drinking loads. It's not filling you. You're eating a lot. It's not satisfying you. You're buying warm clothes. They're not warming you. You're putting money in your pockets and it's falling through. You've harvested loads. You've sown a lot, but there's no fruit. What are you doing? What are we doing? What are you doing? Give careful thought. Nothing else satisfies. God is provoking them to think differently. Consider your ways. This thinking differently is actually what leads to our lives being empowered. Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You see, it's as we think differently, our behavior changes. I know that's true in my life. The Bible is amazing because it's actually true. When I begin to think in a different way, my behavior, my habits, they follow suit. If I think this way, I go that way. If I think that way, I go that way. I know it's not rocket science. We know the story in Luke 15, the son returning. The the story of the prodigal son, it should be called the prodigal father because it means just this outrageous dad that waited, waited for his son to come back. What called his son back? Not threats from the father, not treasure, because he had all that and he squandered it. He built his own home and it did not go well for him. What called him back? He changed the way he thought. The Bible says he came to his senses and he began to think in a completely different way. This word repentance that we use within Christian circles actually means to change the way we think. It comes from a Greek word metanoia that means mind shift. Change the way we think. Because it's actually when we do that that our lives are empowered. And this change in the way we think led to them being obedient. It says in verse 12, I haven't got it up there, I'm sorry. But it says that um, Zerubbabel, um, Joshua and all the people obeyed the voice of the Lord. Haggai said, consider your ways. And then the people, the high priest and all the people, the king, the high priest, all the people, they obeyed God's voice. And then something remarkable happened. God moved in their hearts. This is what we're going to close with. God moved in their hearts. As they were reminded of their purpose, as they began to think in a completely different way, it says that God stirred up their hearts. It says here in Haggai, Haggai 1, 13, 14, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I'm with you. See, in and through it all, wherever you find yourself in life, God wants you to know I'm with you. I'm right with you, declares the Lord of hosts. And the Lord stirred up the heart of Zerubbabel, uh, Joshua, and the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. You see, that same spirit that stirred up their hearts is the same spirit that stirs our hearts. So wherever you find yourself... Do you know, if I'm honest, I walked into this building this morning feeling pretty tired, feeling a bit flat, a bit weary. And it's not until you're with the other jigsaw pieces, looking at the bigger picture of what God's doing, worshipping him, giving him the glory and praise that you suddenly go, man, my heart's being stirred. 
my spirit is being stirred again. And then you think, God, that is what you've called me to do. I love being part of this family. And we get to just march around Manchester and our towns and our streets and, and England and the world just carrying righteousness, peace and joy. Because my heart's been stirred again. It's time to build. It's time to build, friends. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray together.